Abandon all prejudices, all ye who enter here. Park your paradigms, perk up your ears, and open your mind, as we now shine the laser light of reason on the topic of Silly Arguments, Part 1. You can't cry fire in a crowded theater. Hello, I'm David Bolden, and welcome to my podcast channel dedicated to helping people think more clearly, make sounder judgments, and above all, to unceasingly question instead of naively accepting what others want us to believe, for this is the path of Socrates. My friends, maybe you've experienced this as well, something I experienced <laughs> very acutely this weekend. You're in Facebook, for example, having a debate about an important issue. In this case, it was vaccines. Are they safe? Should we get them or not? And once again, somebody put forth this silly, ridiculous argument that I'm so terribly sick of. It's, well, a little background here. Some people were saying in this thread, I would like to name one of them. Actually, I'd like to name him because he's a good author. I'd like to recommend this book, but maybe he wouldn't want me to mention his name. Even though Facebook is public, people can read this thread. If he says, David, I don't mind if you mention my name, I, I will mention his name in the future because I think I'll have to talk about this gentleman on several occasions. Uh, I want to say that I totally oppose him with some of his issues, but he is a good writer. I read a book of his, and it's very interesting, too. I'd love to recommend it now, but I, he might not want me to mention his name, especially since... Now, after praising him, I'm going to tear him apart in another respect. Even he, this intelligent man, brought up this ridiculous argument. He was representing the viewpoint that people who say vaccines could be dangerous and maybe we shouldn't get them should be silenced. We shouldn't even listen to what they say. He actually had the gall, and I have to say the stupidity, when when I gave him links to people such as Dr. David McCullough, who's a world-recognized cardiologist, who, yes, also deals with uh, COVID patients, he, it seems that he didn't even bother to listen to what Dr. McCullough said. Instead, he was spouting off things like, these people have zero credibility. Think of that, zero credibility. Uh, he didn't deal with a single point that the doctor made, or in other links that I gave him, he didn't deal, Dr. Michael Yeden, for example, made some very good points, but this man uh, did not deal with a single of those points, but just went on to trash him saying, no, but these people are not serious scientists, etc., offering no definitive proof except for a site, I don't know which one he said, factcheck.org said that, not even considering the possibility, for example, factcheck.org, I'm not sure if that's the one he mentioned, but it's just it just came out in the last few days that they receive a whole lot of money from the pharmaceutical industry. In other words, he might just go into internet and see, oh, this person's been debunked or 10 years ago they did something that wasn't on the up and up so we can't trust these people not even considering that maybe that's propaganda financed by the industry because the pharmaceutical industry is making billions of dollars on vaccines but this man can't even think that far i guess for him that's a crazy conspiracy theory uh, uh you wonder what planet some of these people are living on because the gentleman i'm talking about is very intelligent he's an excellent writer he wrote a very good book that i would recommend to anybody and yet he comes up with these things. You think, what planet is he living on? Was he born yesterday? Uh, I, I <laughs> mentioned in that same thread today, I asked, hey, are, are you maybe uh, working for the pharmaceutical industry? 
because as far as the vaccines are concerned, now, dear listener, please tell me whether you think my viewpoint is reasonable. When it comes to vaccines or no vaccines, maybe you've heard that some people are starting to question. Scientists, there are certain ones who've been questioning it all along. Uh, Dr. David McCullough is now one of them. He's joined the group, but there are others. Soon I'll be putting out a PDF with a whole lot of links to people. Another is a microbiologist from Germany. Uh, I forget, he has a Thai name because his parents were from Thailand. He studied some of the best institutions in the world, taught microbiology all his life, and he's coming out and saying he doesn't understand what's going on because the standard narrative about vaccines, he said it's full of lies. He said it doesn't make any sense scientifically. Now, in my book, because I'm a scientific thinker, I know this other guy thinks he is too. In my book, and I've read a lot about science, debate is one of the most important tools of science. Remember Galileo when he was saying, yes, the earth moves. And the Catholic Church was saying, no, it doesn't, because in the Bible, this is a standard argument, in the Bible it says it doesn't move. After all, uh, uh, in an Old Testament story, somebody blew their trumpets and the sun stood still, not the earth, right? It was the sun that stood still. Therefore, it's obvious that the sun was moving and not the earth. Uh, what people don't know, people don't go, don't go into such stories more deeply as I generally do. The church had other good reasons for saying that. And some were apparently even scientific. That's not generally too known. The church said also to Galileo, that was just one argument. They had another argument that was not better than that, actually. They said, okay, Galileo, do the following. Now, remember, this was before airplanes. You'll see why that's relevant in a second. They said, uh, I'll kind of summarize it here. I don't know exactly what words they use. Go out and sit down, have a picnic, for example, all day from sunrise to sunset. Sit on a quiet meadow there and look up the sky. And then tell us whether you feel that you're moving in those hours. Don't you see that the sun is moving? It's moving from one horizon to the other. You notice that that's moving, but you don't feel that you're moving. The airplane thing I threw in was with a purpose. These days, if you're in a plane and there's no wind resistance and they're not changing speed, you don't notice that you're moving. It's like on a spaceship, like in a Starship Enterprise. They can move around. They're not being thrown against the walls well, unless somebody attacks them or whatever. Because if it's moving at a steady, constant speed, no change of speed and, and no other forces there, you don't notice you're moving. But the church couldn't know that. Nobody could know that because they didn't have planes. Back then, if you traveled on a horse or a wagon, I don't care how smooth the road was, you notice you're moving. So the church said that too. And that was, of course, evidence of the senses that Galileo was wrong, right? And people would say, well, Galileo must be wrong. We're not moving or we'd feel we're moving. Well, they didn't realize things we realize now. So yes, the church was wrong, but all their arguments weren't just plain stupid, right? But this is what science is about. And there were people in the church, there were certain bishops and cardinals that agreed with Galileo because they, they dug a little more deeply. Remember back then, the standard narrative, let's make an interesting comparison here. These days, the standard narrative, CNN, New York Times, Washington Post, the governments of the world, you must get your vaccine, you must get your vaccine, you must get your vaccine, vaccines are helpful. Even Donald Trump said that. In this issue, I totally disagree with Trump. Apparently that guy in the thread that I'm addressing here, the one who wrote the good book, uh, he's apparently totally for Donald Trump on that issue, but he doesn't even give him credit for it. He's a Trump trasher in every opportunity, even his excellent book that's not about 
Trump at all. It's about esoteric issues, a very good book. But he had to throw in something trashing Trump because this man is is just consumed with hatred for Trump. And yet, in the, ironically, in the issue of vaccines, he's saying the same thing Trump is. You would think he would say, thank you, President Trump, for Operation Warp Speed that got the vaccines to the people in record time, only nine months. That's never been done in the history of the world. The experts are saying, no, Trump can never do this by the end of his presidency. And he did it. You would think that these vile creatures of the left, I can only call them that because of their lack of integrity, you would think that they would be honest enough and would say, okay, I hate Trump for this reason, but you know, he did a really good job of vaccines because I'm totally for vaccines, but no, no. And the man I'm talking about, look up my, my Facebook page. You will see who it is because he doesn't hide his name. I, I'm at the point of saying, but I'm not going to say it because I, I, I believe in fairness and maybe he would maybe he doesn't want me to I could do it he couldn't sue me because it's up in Facebook it's public right I'm not going to do it at least in this talk if he irks me more then I shall do it and he can mention my name too as long as it's in context uh, and you can go into my Facebook page uh, David Bolton and uh, you'll be able to find me I believe there are a lot of David Boltons I'm there wearing a ski cap uh, maybe I should put up someplace more details my Facebook. I won't get into that now. Uh, any, just listen to my story. If he wants to put up a rebuttal in podcast form, I'll listen to it. I think everybody should. But I notice in some people that they simply, first of all, don't want to hear both sides of the issue. They're totally convinced they're right. You know what that means? Anybody who's totally convinced they're right is a fanatic. I'll be talking about that more in the future. And this man seems to think he is totally right to the point where he actually tries to trash reputable physicians and experts that don't agree with the standard narrative. Getting back to the standard narrative. The standard narrative is everybody should get their vaccines. Maybe we should even have vaccine mandates and force people to get vaccines. That's, that view is becoming popular, although fortunately there's a resistance growing to that and I'm part of that resistance. Uh, I've got into that in other talks, will also in the future. But the standard narrative is that vaccines are good. By the way, they're not really vaccines. Uh, read the fine print. I won't get into that now either, but that's the case. Uh, also, there have been more deaths connected to these vaccines in the last four months, the last four months, than all vaccine-related deaths for everything else in a 15-year period previously. More deaths connected to vaccines in four months, and these are official figures by the uh, VAERS, V-A-E-R-S organization connected to the, uh, the CDC, more vaccine-related deaths in four months than for all vaccines put together for all diseases in, in 15 years previously. You think about that. Let that sink in. But such arguments for this man apparently are important. If you don't agree with him, you are wrong. And any scientist that agrees with him is somehow not really a scientist. How can people be so stupid? How can intelligent people be so stupid? Okay, I won't call it stupid. I'll call it foolish. This is a pet word of mine. A fool is the opposite of a wise person. Anybody who says that in a scientific issue, we should not hear the other side just because, well, they're in the minority or, well, maybe not really scientists or because 10 years ago they did this or that. Look, Dr. Fauci, I think, personally, I think he's a criminal. I think he's going to end up in jail. However, I've heard Dr. Fauci occasions that, well, in that, I think he's right. I listen to Dr. Fauci, even though I don't trust him as far as I can throw him. 
And for a number of reasons, uh, well, listen to my podcast, The Magnificent Dr. Fauci, and you will see why I don't trust him. That is, you will hear it. The Magnificent Dr. Fauci, right here in this podcast channel. Listen to that. And you'll hear why I suspect Dr. Fauci of, of, of pretty bad things. But I do listen to him. How anybody who has any integrity whatsoever could say we shouldn't even listen to those other voices. Either this man I'm talking about, this author, is being paid by the pharmaceutical industry, because that's a possibility, or he's a total fanatic and a fool, a liar, perhaps even too. If you're a fanatic, you don't have to be a liar, because a fanatic could believe the most ridiculous things, but he believes them, so he's not a liar, he's more akin to the maniac, because that's, uh, that's something that fanatics and insane people have in common. They're totally convinced that they're right. Don't listen to anybody else. You know, I think that uh, the CIA is spying on me with some satellite they put up in space just for me, because I'm so important, you know, the maniac, right? Uh, <laughs> and they're fanatics, they totally believe it, they're not liars. But they're very akin to fanatics, or, or the jihadists, would you believe? That this man that I'm talking about, even compared pro-life people to jihadists, because they're extreme right. And yes, they're so fanatic, well, they're like jihadists. Pro-life people, what do they say? They say, hey, we shouldn't be killing the unborn. Compare that to jihadists and saying, yes, we should kill and, and kill. How can anybody say that? Are these people simply leftist fanatics and liars? And uh, 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 what can you say? My point here, my point here is that in any issue concerning science, especially when health and life and death are concerned, we must hear both sides of the story. We must hear it. Back to the narrative. You see, I jump around, but I don't care. The standard narrative now is you should get your vaccine and everything Dr. Fauci said is correct, and you should believe that. If not, we're going to cancel you, we're going to silence your voice, we're going to insult you, we're going to slander you, we're going to dig up anything out of your past that you did and we're going to use it against you, but we're not going to listen to you. And we're going to tell people, don't listen to these people. And guess what? That's exactly what the Catholic Church did 500 years ago, uh, excuse me, 400 some years ago against Galileo. That's exactly what the standard narrative looked like back then. In other words, this is our narrative. The earth is stationary and the sun is moving around the earth. And if you dare to say anything against that, we're going to sl uh, slander you. We will libel you. We will call you a heretic. We will say that you are an enemy of God. Uh, we will cancel you back then, even in the real sense. That is, we will burn you at the stake. So it's even worse. In other words, they weren't saying, really, Galileo? Tell us about this. Tell us about these experiments. Show us your evidence. We'll show you our evidence. Because the church had scientists too. Those that were saying, hey, sit out in the meadow and look. Do you feel that you're moving? No, but you see the sun moving gradually. Right? That can also, that's evidence. Hey, some people say, I don't believe it unless I see it. Well, you could see that. That in those times was powerful evidence. And these days, it's also powerful evidence. Not necessarily scientific. If you see a UFO, even if it lands in front of you and the little aliens get out, you could say, I know it because a friend of mine, I saw it. You tell the story and they say you're lying. Maybe you weren't lying. Of course, what you saw is not scientific evidence. I understand that because you could be lying. Maybe you were both on drugs or something. I don't know, right? But for you, it's true because you and your friends saw the same thing. In other words, you see something and you believe it in general. Uh, my, I myself saw something and most people would call it ghost. Being of more scientific mindset, I wrote a book about it too, a very short book. 
uh, I said, well, okay, I never took drugs in my life, never took illegal drugs. I, I try to avoid taking drugs as much as I can. I believe in, in, in uh, treating my body and mind well, right? But I saw something was 15, looked like a, look, really sure looked like a ghost. I'll go into that in another podcast. But my conclusion was, hey, maybe it was a ghost. Maybe it was some bleed through from another dimension. Maybe for a minute I was insane, although it's never happened to me before, never happened since. But maybe, maybe, because I like to see all the possibilities. But when I hear these people, don't listen to those people. It's not even worth listening to a Dr. David McCullough. Look him up. This is a serious guy, right, in, in uh, medicine and in science in general. But when they don't even, they refuse to even listen to these people, uh, this man must be a fanatic, the, the gentleman I'm referring to. Uh, should I feel sorry for him? I mean, he's so consumed with Trump hatred that I, I doubt his mental balance. I haven't asked him if he's seen a, psych a psychologist, psychiatrist. Uh, and I don't say that to insult him, but I know for a fact, as I think everybody should, there are a lot of people out there who suffer from mental imbalances. And when I see that in every conversation, somebody has to trash Trump, trash Trump, even if it's not totally relevant. Even if in this issue, ironically, as I said, this man should be praising Trump for something, but he doesn't have the integrity or honesty to do it. Because I would. If Dr. Fauci says something I think is right in the mark, I'd say, well, I, I don't like Dr. Fauci. I suspect him of really being a rat. In other words, of being, of being part of a, of a plan that's very negative. Listen once again uh, to my podcast, The Magnificent Dr. Fauci. You'll see why I think that. Can I say I believe it 100%? No, because I am a scientific thinker. I don't believe anything 100%. I think there's a high probability in the case of Dr. Fauci. If Dr. Fauci does something that I think is good, I'm going to praise him for it. Apparently, this man uh, is too vicious. I can only use the word to do that. If he really can't stand somebody, he would... He, I think he would rather go out and get a tooth pulled than say anything positive about Donald Trump. And this is a sign of a fanatic, my friends. It's a sign of a fanatic. Uh, it's sad. It's really sad. Could I hate this man? No, I don't hate, I'll tell you, I don't hate anybody. I don't hate anybody. Bill Gates, I suspect of crimes against humanity, but I don't hate Bill Gates. Hitler committed crimes against humanity, as did Stalin, as did Mao Zedong. I don't hate any of them. Send me back in a time machine, put me in a room alone with them, put a gun in my hand, and I'll, I'll put a bullet in their heads. Yeah, I, any one of those three. Just because I would see, oh, wow, what they're going to do in the future? No, these people must die. But I wouldn't do it with hatred because I really don't hate anybody. I don't. And if somebody, even somebody who considers himself my worst enemy, does something I think is good, I'm going to say, hey, I think that's good. But apparently some people don't have that, uh, what could you call it? I could call it objectivity, to use a more scientific term. It has something to do with the human spirit, I believe. Some people have sunk so low in their hatreds, in their partisanship, in their fanaticism, that in some ways the light has left them in, in great degree. I think that's sad. I think it's actually sad. Uh, judge not lest ye be judged. I don't... I don't want to do any final judgment on anyone, and I hope this man I'm talking about, I hope he finally sees the light enough to realize that he's just going overboard. Because in the case of COVID, anybody who accept, accepts the standard narrative, as most people 400 years ago accepted the narrative of the church, many people didn't like Galileo. What, what is he saying here? Interestingly, there were some cardinals that said, hey, Galileo, let us look for this telescope. This is pretty interesting what you're saying. What's that? Moons on, around Jupiter? Wow, this is fascinating. A lot of people in church did have an open mind. But officially, the church didn't want to go for that because, uh-oh, 
this is opening a Pandora's box. If we say, oh, well, the Bible's wrong in this respect, wow, it's, then they're going to say, hey, maybe it's wrong here, maybe it's wrong there. As, in fact, happened in the 18th century, and especially in the 19th century. <laughs> I'm a sort of a hobby historian. And also of the church, I, you know, I know a lot of things about these issues. The church was right in their suspicions that once the Pandora's box is open, who, wow. Uh, could it be that a lot of the people that, that uh, represent the standard narrative day, once we open that Pandora's box, that maybe big tech is lying to the people? Uh, big, well, not only big tech, but also big pharma. That the pharmaceutical medical industry, if we, if we let people question the vaccines, could they start questioning more cancer and, and the chemotherapy that we still recommend for nine types of cancer that cannot be helped at all by chemotherapy? And yes, that's been proven and uh, as expressed in a systematic review that I wrote about in my book, A Rational Approach to Cancer Treatment. Look it up on Smashwords. You can get it free there. Amazon wouldn't let me offer it for free. I would like to. Or write to me and I'll send it to you for free. The pharmaceutical industry has committed crimes that you maybe wouldn't believe. Yes, they've also saved millions of lives. On the other hand, where financial interests were concerned, they have... Uh, look up Lipitor, cholesterol-lowering drug. Look up the history of that. They made more money on that than on any drug previously. Billions of dollars. And it wasn't even necessary in half the cases. And... The science it was based on, you know, this lowering cholesterol thing, was based on the shabbiest of science that you can imagine. Look up the story. I won't do your homework for you. Should we trust the medical, in, the phar medical pharmaceutical industry in every case? Look at the COVID situation. You do know that in America, for every COVID patient, the hospitals uh, uh, were given $13,000. Could that be why they wanted to exaggerate the number of people who died of COVID? Duh. If they're getting $13,000 extra, hey, we say this guy died of, died of seasonal flu and we don't get anything extra. We say he died of COVID and we get 13000 bucks. You better believe they do that. Read my book, A Rational Approach to Cancer Treatment. You'll see some of the crimes committed by the pharmaceutical industry. Of course, there are people like the gentleman. I'll call him a gentleman here, uh, although I think he does lack integrity and he's full of hatred, which is sad. I still use the term gentleman here, uh, even though he uses pretty ratty arguments, and he still has not apparently faced a single serious argument by any of the serious scientists I've presented to him. That's not a gentlemanly thing to do, my friend. I'm talking to you directly who's listening to this because I'm going to send this gentleman uh, a link to this podcast. Uh, let's see if he's open-minded enough to listen to what I say. If he wants to do a podcast about me, let him do it. Please don't quote me out of context, and I won't do that with him. I could, uh, I could throw in some definite things he said. I could read the entire transcript of the chat because I have it saved. I could use that for a subject of podcast. I might just do that as well, and then you can judge for yourself. But people, I'm not doing this just to entertain myself. Believe me, I have better things to do. I'm a musician. I can uh, have a series of podcasts planned. I have over 300 things to talk about, some or in general, how to improve your mind, how to overcome the hypnosis of society. I call it hypnosis. Most call it brainwashing. Hypnosis is a more precise term. I have so many interesting things of general interest that will be interesting to people 50 years from now, I believe. These subjects concerning COVID, this will pass, uh, as will the election fraud issue You'll see what's going to happen there. I won't talk about that in this podcast. I haven't passed ones. You'll see. We're in some for some really big surprises, you know. Uh, call me a prophet and a psychic when, when these big things do happen. 
things aren't as they seem now. You will know that in the future. But these things too, 20 years from now, young people will say, what's this podcast about election fraud 2020? Oh, that was three years before I was born. I, I don't, and they won't even have read about that. Donald Trump, oh, who was, oh, that was some past president that a lot of people hated or a lot of people loved. Oh, that's the thing they're going to be saying, right? Uh, I have other themes that are of much more, maybe in general interest and uh, more perennial in their import that I'm going to talk about. Now I'm talking about these things because vaccines, yes or no, is a question of life or death. Look, I always, because I'm a scientific thinker, I always admit the, the possibility that I'm wrong. Maybe Donald Trump and this gentleman I'm referring to and his ilk are right. Maybe the best thing we can do is rush out right now. Don't ask questions. Don't, uh, okay, uh, uh, should, it, should it be Pfizer jab? Or should it be Moderna? Or should it be AstraZeneca? Ironically, a couple months ago, I talked to a friend in Germany trying to talk him out of, of vaccines. And I mentioned specifically AstraZeneca. No, my wife's getting AstraZeneca on Tuesday. I think she did it. And it was like a week after that that Germany banned the AstraZeneca vaccine because it was hurting people. Ah, what a shame. I, I hope his wife is, is in good condition because they're both very good friends of mine. I'm not in touch with them often. We live in different countries. and every, I live in Japan, I live in Germany. But imagine the irony there. I'm trying to talk him out of AstraZeneca vaccine. He insists on doing it. And like a week or two after his wife gets vaccine, Germany bans that vaccine. Wow, I hope he feels like a fool. Because if he, if he doesn't, he might just say, oh, well, uh, she seems to be all right. Well, she can get the second vaccine too, but we'll make it Pfizer this time. I mean, really. This is about not just where you're going to drop dead, you know, a day after you get the vaccine, but there are cases like that. You do know that coronavirus, uh, COVID-19, China virus, all those things could be, <laughs> call it whatever you like. Uh, it, the, the probability it's going to kill a young person is, is 0, 0.0 something, right? It's very, very, very low. But these vaccines are killing young people. 20-year-olds, healthy 20-year-olds get a vaccine, a day later they're dead, or a week later they have a heart attack. A person who had a healthy heart before that. Uh, look up Tucker Carlson and his monologue. I believe it was last Thursday. That would be now, what was it? Today's uh, Monday, the 10th of May, 2021. So that would be, what would it be? The 6th of May. I think it was the 6th or the 7th, where he goes into uh, how many vaccine deaths there have been. And I mentioned that more vaccine deaths in four months because of these COVID vaccines than in all the other vaccines put together in 15 years. Listen to what he said, the questions he asked about that. The young people he mentions, even little children that are dying after they get this vaccine. There is one case that he doesn't mention, I read it in another source, where a mother who got the vaccine who was nursing her baby, the baby dropped dead like, I don't know, the same day, the day later, because he took in the milk from the mother who had gotten the vaccine. And the baby was healthy before that. Look at this. Now, my gentleman that I, I mentioned before, he would say, don't look at those. Don't look at those. That's not important. That's, that's crying fire in the crowded theater. So now we come back to the main theme. You can't cry fire in, in a crowded theater. It seems, seems ridiculous from one point of view. Most people say, well, yes, of course. You can't, you can't go into a theater and watch a movie and suddenly just get up and say, fire, fire. It's against the law. Don't do that, people. On the other hand, if you just happen to, I'll give another example. You're sitting in your office and, you get, and the company phone rings, you pick it up. And somebody, some boy says, I put a bomb in the bottom, at the basement of that building and it's gonna explode and destroy the whole building in a half hour, and then they hang up. 
Now, if you know anything about these issues, you know that for every real bomb, there are probably a hundred bomb threats, maybe more. I don't know. I didn't look it up. Look it up. You know, do the, do this homework for me and uh, write in a comment or something. But you know that there are many bomb threats for every serious bomb placed in a building, right? I mean, that's obvious. You know, high school kids that are playing a prank or whatever. I remember even my mother, God rest her soul. And she was a meek person, very, very good woman. But I learned that when she told me in a moment of candor, when she was in high school, she and her friend used to play a prank on tobacco shops. I mean, this was 1930s. Not that they were against tobacco or smoking or anything. They called but say, do you have Prince Albert in cans? You know, the, the tobacco in cans. Do you have Prince Albert in cans? The guy would say, yes, we do. And they'd say, well, let him out. He might smother. <laughs> it's like something Bart Simpson would do, right? Even she would play pranks like that. And these days, I'm sure kids call up, uh, I, we put a bomb in the basement of the school. I don't know how often it happens. But you know, for every real bomb, there must be a hundred bomb threats. So, okay, you're sitting in your office and you get a call, I put a bomb in the building. Now, you could think the probability there's really a bomb is really little. It might be less than 1%. So, I'm not going to say anything because you can't cry fire in a crowded theater, right? Wrong. If you don't say anything, you might be, you're, you're guilty of criminal neglect. Going back to the theater, you're sitting in the theater and then you go to the restroom and you see smoke pouring out of the wall. You're going to think, oh, well, that's nothing. I, I can't cry fire and cry. Of course you have to cry fire in a crowded theater. And that this gentleman would come up with, among many other silly arguments, this silly argument, I've heard it to excess. I'm so sick of it. That's why I'm doing this podcast, my dear friends, because I'm so sick in Facebook threads where it gets into debate. And like I say, I'm not doing this for pleasure. Oh, my God. I'm doing it because people have to stand up for what they see as the truth. Both sides must be heard. We must fight censorship. And the other side must have their voice heard because if I am right in what I think is happening in the world with these vaccines, we could be heading for the greatest genocide in world history. Am I saying, yes, I'm 100% right? No, because only a fanatic says that. Even if, I, there's, even if there's only a 1% chance that I'm right, only 1% chance, Still, the voices of the scientists that, whence I get my information, must be heard. You understand the logic there. Even if this whole COVID vaccine thing, even if the probability is only 1% that it's really part of a larger plan to depopulate the world, and I think it is, or at the very least, a larger plan just to make trillions for the pharmaceutical industry and thereby even harming the health of people. Even if there's only a 1% chance, the other side must be heard. And that's why I'm doing this. That's why I'm fighting so that the other side is heard. Because this is serious, people. And if you say to me, don't dare to say to me, you can't cry fire in a crowded theater because you don't look good in the future. And that's why I'm doing this podcast. I'm not going to go into an argument like I've given you here. I'm going to say, you know, it's interesting you say that silly argument, you can't cry fire in a theater. That's why I did a podcast on it. Here it is. Every time somebody gives me that stupid argument, I'm going to use this opportunity to publicize, to advertise my, my podcast channel. You see? So now if they say it to me, it doesn't bother me anymore. Because I think, oh, great. Even here in another thread, and I have another opportunity to put in a plug for my podcast channel. Silly Arguments Part 1. You can't cry fire in a crowded theater. 
Of course you can't do that if you have no reason whatsoever, no good reason whatsoever. Of course they would say, well David, you don't have any good reasons. That's because they don't even bother to listen to the scientists on the other side. That's because they're fools. Because they're fools. Fanatics, fools, uh, stooges of the industry, I don't know. They could be stooges of the industry, could not be. But that they're fools, that's very plain to me. That is, there's no wisdom there at all. Anybody that tells me in anything related to science that we shouldn't hear the voices on the other side is an idiot. I'll say even stronger than a fool. He's an idiot. He's a liar. Uh, I don't know what you could... Or a fanatic. Fanatic is a softer word here because you're a fanatic. You actually believe what you... These people, I think, are honest in the sense that they believe what they're saying. That's why I feel sorry for him because fanaticism is a step previous to mental illness. I'll be talking about that in the future. The difference between, for example, a, a paranoid schizophrenic and a fanatic is very small, actually. And I think, my theory is, that uh, they share, the, in part, the same root cause. That's one of those talks of mine that, <laughs> that might be interesting even 20, 30 years from now, especially when more things about mental illness are discovered. Uh, the, <laughs> I might mention the excesses and abuses for the industry in the area of mental health are probably even worse than in physical health. I'll get into that in a future podcast as well. So you can stay tuned because you're going to hear a lot of outside-the-box thinking from me and uh, always backed up with references. Always listen to the other side, especially if it's a matter of life or death. In this argument, somebody says, you can't talk about vaccines because you might convince people and then it's going to lead to their death. I, and I, I say to that, yes, and you might be right. So let's both present our arguments. Let's have scientists both sides. Hey, let's make a petition and send it to CNN that, of course, tries to cancel people who give the other side of the argument, right? When did you see a, a debate on CNN with doctors from both sides? Some saying, yes, we need vaccines. I will say the Trump side there, ironically, because most people say they're leftists, right? Uh, doctors like Dr. Fauci the great, magnificent Dr. Fauci and others giving their arguments for the vaccine. And then other doctors like Dr. David uh, McCullough, for example, uh, uh, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny as well, Dr. Lee Merritt as well, uh, the doctor, oh, I wish I remember the gentleman's name. He's, he's German, but of, of Thai nationality. And forgive me, maybe it's aged, but uh, I can't remember his name exactly. It's not a, I speak German, but it's not a German name. It's a Thai name, and I can't remember it. Uh, stay tuned because I'm going to put out a podcast on this subject with a PDF with a lot of these links that I'm mentioning now. So why not have debates on CNN with both sides and people can hear arguments, scientific arguments from both sides. Others, like this gentleman I mentioned who wrote the book that I'm criticizing, here, not this book, his book is good, but whose views on this issue I'm criticizing here, these people say, no, these people shouldn't even be listened to. In other words, he's talking like the church fathers 400 years ago, don't listen to Galileo, no, we have to silence this guy. Uh, well, you know what happened in that case? Hey, guess what? It was the earth that was moving, Galileo was right. And I suspect a year from now we're going to know, hey, guess what? A lot of these anti-vaxxers in this case, because all of these doctors I mentioned, not a single one says they're against vaccines in general. That's another stupid argument. They say, oh, the anti-vaxxers. I have a series plan, silly arguments. That's why this is silly arguments part one. You can't cry fire and crowd a theater. My friend, if you're in a theater and you're someplace buying popcorn, you say, wait a minute, there's smoke coming out of there. You sure as hell better cry fire. Or you might be responsible for deaths of people. If you're in your office and you get a, 
a seemingly crank call. I put a bomb in the building. You better tell your boss. You better get that uh, building evacuated, even if there's only a 0.5% chance is really a bomb. Because if you don't do it, and there is a bomb, a lot of people are going to die. And with these vaccines, if the doctors on the other side are correct, and there's something fishy about these vaccines, and that could lead to millions of deaths. So yes, we must, not only should we cry fire, we must cry fire. And we must insist that voices on both sides are heard. Normal voices, but most especially scientific voices, trained physicians and doctors in these areas. Not just microbiologists, but the Thai doctor I mentioned is a microbiologist who taught this uh, in, in German universities all his life. He knows microbiology. But Dr. David McCullough, cardiologist, he's worked with COVID patients. These people aren't fools. They see when something's fishy and they must be heard. So why don't we get together? The side that's totally pro-vaccine and the side that's against it. Write a letter, a petition to CNN. We want to see debates. We want to hear the arguments on both sides. That's what we should be doing. And anybody that instead dedicates him or herself to just silencing the other side, not even listening to their arguments, Imagine that. Imagine how low that is. That, imagine how vile that, not even listening to the arguments of the Because I've looked at the arguments of the Fauci side, believe me I have. These people won't even address directly the arguments of the other side. They don't even bother to listen to them. These are fanatics, my friends. They are fanatics. And I'll take them on any time. They want to do a podcast about this, about the, representing their view, fine. And I'll even say, listen to what they say and then listen to what I say and then decide. Because I believe in any debate, it's like a court of law. Imagine a court of law where one side says, no, don't listen to the defense attorney. Don't listen to him. Oh, you know, 10 years ago, he was involved in a scandal. So, so he's not credible. Don't listen to him. Can you imagine? How can justice be done in that case? Even if the defendant is a low life with tattoos all over his body and I don't know, he, he has a, a criminal record, etc., etc., long as your arm. Even then, we must hear the evidence for the defense, because maybe in this case he is innocent. Uh, does that, does that uh, uh, turn on a light above your head? Gentlemen who, who I'm whom I'm criticizing so vehemently in this podcast, does that maybe turn a light on above your thick skull? Even if somebody is an obvious lowlife and he's in court and he's accused of murder, and he, he just got out of jail for a murder, for some other murder years ago, that doesn't mean he killed this person in this case. So we must hear the evidence. We must listen to the prosecutor and to the defense attorney, no matter what it looks like. Even if the defense attorney is, is a known liar, even if he twists the truth, even if the person who on trial uh, has been accused and convicted of several other crimes before, nonetheless, in this present case, we must look at the evidence, listen to the evidence on both sides and then reach a decision. And in this case where vaccine's concerned, let me tell you, a Dr. David McCullough, the name just one, he's not a lowlife, believe me, look at this guy's credentials. But if we know we must listen to the evidence on both sides in a criminal case, and why is that, you know, to get one person in jail or to set him free? Okay, well, okay maybe we set him free, he's gonna kill more people. If you set him in jail, you could also kill people there, but it's, it's very limited, the damage that can be done. Here, 
if people like Dr. Dave McCullough and others who have studied this even more than he has, if they are right, this could mean the deaths of millions of people. If in a case like this, we're not willing to listen to the other side, and if we dedicate our time and our overly long Facebook posts that I'm occasionally guilty of as well, I'm talking to this gentleman now, that aren't filled with logical arguments addressing the real points that the other side makes. No, they're just once again uh, trying to slander them, trying to say this isn't scientific, we shouldn't listen to them, etc., 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 wasting his time with that. And that's not, you know, it's not going to convince me one iota because it's only about trying to find the truth. And you can only find the truth if you listen to evidence and views, really, not just from two, but even from three, four, five sides. All the evidence must be seen, just as it must be seen in the voter fraud issue. Uh, you know, they use the same tactic there. It didn't happen. Trump's baseless claims of voter fraud, neglecting that there are tens of millions of people that also believe, uh, uh, oh, no, one ten, uh, it was just Trump, this evil Trump, Trump is bad, Trump is bad, Trump is bad. Did these people go to sleep at night hypnotizing themselves, you know, do it whether it's uh, tape routines of self-hypnosis, you're relaxing, I'm getting tired. And now the suggestion, Trump is bad, Trump is bad, Trump is bad. Sometimes I get that impression. <laughs> because let me tell you, Donald Trump, I think, well, like the vaccines, they're all for what he says with vaccines. Yes, recommend the vaccine. You know, I recommend the vaccines. He said it again and again. I disagree with Trump on that. <laughs> but still, they have hypnotized us. Trump is bad, Trump is bad. That even if it has nothing to do, there's a thread that talks about something else and they'll manage to get in a Trump is bad sentence. These people are fanatics. I mean, you have to, I would laugh at them, but actually I, I feel compassion for them because I think they're mentally imbalanced. That's the only conclusion I can come to. And I stand by everything I say, people. Don't take me out of context. Don't do something like, David is a violent person because he said he'd be capable of shooting somebody. Well, in this very same podcast, remember I did say, you put me in a time machine, send me back in history, put me in a room alone with Adolf Hitler in 1932, give me a gun, I'll put a bullet in his head. So yes, I did say I'd shoot somebody, but don't, don't quote me out of context. If you do that, I'm going to destroy you. I don't mean I'm going to shoot you. I mean I'm going to do a podcast about that issue and I'm going to destroy you <laughs> because that's a dirty trick. And I see so often, not only from the left, I see it on the right as well, stupid argumentation. I see the use of dirty tricks. I see silly arguments like you can't cry fire in a crowd of theater used so often by the left now, but in other circumstances, maybe by the right, I don't know. And I'm going to attack uh, unreason I'm going to attack foolishness no matter where I see it. Do I have fun doing it? Well, maybe in part, yes, I don't know. But not really. I mean, making music is much more harmonious. Going out running is much more relaxing for me. But I'm doing this because we're in a battle, people. And I'd like to encourage people on both sides of this and on every issue to get more involved. The people on this gentleman's side Okay, not if you're of, of, of the fanatical ilk and you think every other voice should be silenced. You shouldn't get into it because you're a fanatic. If you'd like to, sure. And maybe I'll honor you with doing a podcast just about you. In the future, I'm going to name names because these are Facebook posts. And you can name my name as well. I don't care. I don't care. Just don't quote me out of context because I'll get you for that. If I get you once again, I'm not going to kill you, no. But I will do a podcast. I'll point out what a rat you are. I will do that. Oh, no, rat is not a scientific term, I know. But you know what I mean. You know what I mean. The gentleman in question, he likes to play the intellectual. 
And you know, there's a difference between an intelligent person and an intellectual. Intellectuals are usually intelligent people. But uh, I'll get into this. If you, it's a subject of another podcast, but I'm going to just mention it here because it's relevant. I've known people who are highly intelligent and they're total fools. I've known people of average intelligence and they're very wise people. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. I don't smoke, but maybe you do. <laughs> Think about that. And I've encountered people on the internet like this gentleman. I believe he's a very intelligent man. And he wrote a good book that I will recommend wholeheartedly. If he ever gives me, if he says, yes, David, you may mention my name, I will pl I'll advertise his book for him. I don't know if he's published it quite yet, but I, I think it's interesting. I think it's a good book. But in this issue, at least, he's, he's a fool. And I must say it, fool being the opposite of wise. He's highly intelligent. But he belongs to those people that Eric Hoffer, the great social thinker, a social philosophical thinker, uh, wrote about. He wrote the book, The True Believer. Look it up, a brilliant book. He won a prize for that book. Uh, Eric Hoffer never went to school. But boy, did he know his history, his psychology. I mean, you put him... <laughs> <laughs> you put him next to a hundred college intellectual professors and he will wipe up the floor with him. Let me tell you, he's dead now, but he would have done that. This man was absolutely brilliant, highly intelligent, but he, didn't, he never called himself an intellectual. For him, the intellectuals, these were, in ancient Egypt, he said they were the scribes, the people who could write. They were more intelligent. And so the, the, the system needed them to keep track of how much grain was here or there or whatever. They needed people who could write. And these people rose in power and they were the intellectual class. He said, in modern day, these are the college professors that so often have leftist slants, and these are, inter these are people that know better. These are people that, that might knowingly lie even because, yes, the people, the people in general are stupid. We have, to lie. we have to control the people. We have to lie to them, etc. And these people, they would say, I'm 100% sure. Karl Marx was right, even Marxists, right? These are the intellectuals that have somehow weaseled their way into positions of power, even for the universities, and then they're forming young minds, but they're not presenting objective views, really. Uh, and so uh, many are, don't get me wrong, many are. But others are more, they present their idea of a thing. If you say anything in, con in counter, if you present the other side, especially these days, if you go in and you try to defend Trump in a university, oh my God, they will try to cancel you with everything they have. You know, so, with uh, talk about social distancing, they will ostracize you. And maybe try to get you kicked out. Oh, you're for Trump then? Oh, did you storm the Capitol too? I'll be talking about that in a future podcast as well. Things are bad. This is what Eric Hoffer called the intellectuals. These are people, they know better than you, right? They know better. They're the smart ones. They're the intelligent ones. Uh, they have the higher IQs the average person. And they do have higher IQs the average person. Some have brilliant IQs. But you know, my, I, I, I don't want to brag, but you know, I have a pretty high IQ as well. <laughs> And I've been in debates with some of these people, and it hasn't gone well for any of them, <laughs> I will say. It hasn't gone well for any of them, because I don't try to hide behind uh, intellectual terms. And, you know, uh, Friedrich Engels used the term this to designate that. Uh, I have a friend in America who liked to do that. Very intelligent man. Very good man, I think. But he would purposely use words that most people don't understand, because that makes them seem superior to them. And I despise that. I will tell you, I despise that. I could use words that most people would not understand. I use words in several languages that people wouldn't understand. I could throw in even some Japanese terms to show how I don't speak fluent Japanese. I speak very little Japanese, although I've been here for years. That's another subject. But I do speak fluent German. I speak fluent Spanish. I can read French extremely well. I could throw in all kinds of foreign terms to impress people. Ah, 
Look at what an intellectual David is, why he speaks. I only do that if it's really relevant and there's a specific reason for doing it. Then I explain immediately. Because this mania of throwing in intellectual terms to create a distance. Look, I am on the pedestal. For example, in some cases, I am a college professor. I am intellectual. And the implied question is, who are you? Right? I despise that way of thinking. I despise it because I know for a fact that I've learned some life lessons and they're the most important lessons. I've learned some really interesting things. I've learned some of those lessons from people who are insane, clinically insane. I've learned some from bums out in the street. And I've learned some, yes, from college professors. But this elitist attitude that we have from, from academia is something that disgusts me. This is not, has nothing to do with true philosophy because philosophy means, if you look at the origin of the word, the love of wisdom. And trying to put yourself on, on, a, on a pedestal and looking down at those who are, oh, they're not as intelligent as I am. Okay, if you have a high IQ, statistically, yeah, your intelligence, your intelligence could be higher than that of the masses or the average person, I should say. That's true. But that doesn't mean that among the average people with average 100 IQs, you'll have some people that, yes, could be very much wiser than you are, that know some things that you don't know, and they could teach you some very important life lessons. I've had it done for me, and I'm grateful to all those people. I'm, I'm grateful to people, intelligent, geniuses I've met that taught me things, and people I've met that were even maybe under the average intelligent, but they've also taught me some things. Because that is what wisdom is about. It's not distancing yourself. Oh, I'm the intellectual elite. And I, I, I don't hate those people. I don't hate anybody. I don't even hate Hitler, as I said. But I despise that attitude because I see, I see through it immediately. I see through it immediately. And you should too. Don't let yourself be bullied in that way by such people that use big terms. And then you think, well, should I ask him what that means? No, because that, that means that he knows more than I do. Call him out and say, what does that term mean? Try that. Somebody uses big words and you can tell they're doing it to show off. You know what? Good technique. <laughs> See, these people don't win against me for the following reason. I'm a very good psychologist. When somebody tries that with me and they purposely throw in terms or whatever, often I'll say, hey, uh, uh, what does that mean exactly? And then I'll say, you know, why don't you use terms that everybody can understand? Because isn't this about communication? Or is it only about you trying to to distance yourself and show how superior you are. Oh, you should see the looks on their faces when I do that. <laughs> in other words, maybe it's because I was born and raised in Baltimore, and yet you maybe you've heard about Baltimore. It's a dangerous city. I live in a, a ghetto-type neighborhood, I guess you could say. Uh, knew a lot of people there, good and bad, mostly black, but also white. I, uh, you know, I had friends, different races. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm kind of streetwise as well. And I can see through a lot of these, these techniques that people use to try to, to try to put us down. What they want to say is, we don't want you to listen to the anti-vaccine people, because we don't agree with that. But then they'll bring in, well, this philosopher said that, and this, this learned person said about uh, epistemology, da-da-da, uh, and they'll bring in these things. And the average person, I know what epistemology is, but the average person might not. And then they feel kind of, oh, well, this person's my intellectual superior. And uh, those techniques should not be used, especially not when we're talking about the health of millions of people. Millions of people. We should use a language that's understandable by everybody. 
we should speak in a down-to-earth manner. We should speak and write in such a way that everybody can understand us. And once again, if you're in a theater and you see smoke coming someplace, you sure as hell better cry fire. If you're in your office and somebody calls up with a bomb threat, sure it's probably a prank, but you better inform your boss. You better get those people out of there. And in this COVID crisis, if they're serious physicians, even if they're not too serious, what the hell, even if they're not too serious, do you know, it could be somebody's not even a physician. Listen to their arguments because maybe, just maybe, they'll come up with something that's totally true that you didn't think of and could you open your eyes to something. We should be listening to a lot of people from all sides of, of the argumentative spectrum here because it's a matter of life and death and anybody who wants to silence those people is either a stooge of the industry, knowingly or unwittingly, or they're fools, or they're fanatics. I don't know how else to describe it. Anybody who says you should not listen to both sides of the argument when it's a scientific issue that involves the health and the lives of all of us, I could almost say these people are evil. I hate to use that term. But they're trying to block the possibility, possibility I said here, of maybe learning some things that could open our eyes to some extreme abuses. And even if there's only 1% chance of this, and my, my feeling is that it's well over 50% that what's going on with this COVID, we're being lied to. And there are plans that some people have that are very evil indeed. And I feel, after all I've said this, uh, uh, this issue, that the probability of that is probably at least 60%. But I'm saying here, even if we're only 1%, that is still reason enough to listen to the other side, most particularly the scientists and go right ahead and cry fire in any crowded theater where you see smoke pouring out. And believe me, the smoke is, is coming out more and more. Follow the news that's not on CNN. And in the end, really, we should team up. With, both sides should team up. They present their scientific arguments and we present ours. They give links to scientific experts like Dr. Fauci and what he said and we present uh, opposing views. And then in common, we all write to CNN, we demand debates, open debates with scientists from both sides because it's about life or death and the issue of always hearing both sides, always questioning. These are some of the key elements on the path that I've been on all my life and I hope you are gradually going to accompany me on. These are key elements on the path of Socrates. With that, I say goodbye to you. I wish you a good day or night, depending on where you are, and stay tuned for future podcasts. Bye now.